join me in welcoming Pastor Greg French to the stage. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Yep, I'm going to come down here because I'm going to be speaking. Grab a seat, everybody. And uh, thank you, Chris. Um, always love introductions and uh, because they always sound far better than what the person is, usually. And uh, in this case, Chris, I really appreciate uh, your kind words, but i uh, really looking forward to being with you this morning. Uh, I, I really am, and we've uh, been trying to get here for a wee while in discussions over the years, but uh, this morning, really happy to be able to be here. And I'm going to release everybody. Jordan, except possibly one. Is that okay if you like to stay there? Remember, the check will be in the mail, no problem. But good to be with you, and uh, again, thank you, Chris and Vicky, for having me in the church. Uh, we had a great leaders um, evening on Friday, um, and then also yesterday, uh, basically, we just spent the day, I'm fleecing them in regards to getting some knowledge out of them, being wise people yourselves. Uh, we're just uh, reshaping a little bit about C3, how we oversee overseers and the churches in our movement. That's part of my responsibility to ensure that the local church is doing well. And let me tell you, so far, so good with Pastor Chris and Vic. Woo! Just a little bit worried there for a while, but it's starting to look okay at the moment. But uh, yeah, and it's, it's nice being here and getting to know a lot of the team. A lot of the people I've known over the years, even worked with um, Nathan going way back, which has been great. Good to see him here, still popping around. And I always say to Nathan, remember you married up. You, you did exceptionally well. So did I, so did Chris, so no problem there. Um, but we've had a, a great journey over the years and knowing many people. And the last time I was here actually was 2002. Long time ago, crumbs. What happened? Must have been a really bad message way back then. Didn't get an invite. Very slow to respond. Um, but this morning, you know, we're, we're just going to. To me, uh, I'd like to just, you know, different styles of preachings and uh, preaching, and I'd like to probably this morning just uh, look at an exegesis of walking through Scripture and seeing some of the gold and truth in Scripture. So often we can read the Bible because we're in such a hurry to get to somewhere. You know, because you know a great scripture, and I'll be reading this morning from John chapter 20, starting in verse 1 through to about 23. I don't think I'm going to get anywhere near that. Um, but, you know, if you look at that verse of scripture, it's about the resurrection. And today's message is more about sometimes we need a resurrection moment uh, to reposition us, to recalibrate our thinking, our life, our, our hearts about the next stage, the next season in our life. And I really believe that, you know, God is an orchestrator and everything in God is always say, if you stay close to the Lord, your life is uh, perfectly positioned. Sometimes we don't believe that statement because of what's going on. But the reality is, irrespective of what's going on in our world, He's still in control. You know, even on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, then one of His message I do is the last words of a person's are probably the most pro profound and most powerful. But one of his statements upon the cross is, it is finished. And we've preached that a lot and preached it sometimes out of context. But one of the, the powerful meanings of it is when he said it, it is finished, is like everyone goes, yes, we've won. We're victorious. We've got rid of the troublemaker. We have regained control. But basically it's Jesus' final words isn't saying it's finished, you guys have, you know, you've killed me and I'm... No, no, he's basically saying, no, guys, let me tell you, you haven't orchestrated this moment. I've allowed this moment. And in this moment, 
I'm letting you know I'm in control. One of the most powerful words from the cross is it is finished on the basis is um, it's not finished because you have got your way. I'm in control. I decide when I depart, not you. And if we embrace that thinking straight away is that irrespective of what things look like, hello, if you're Jesus on the cross, didn't look, didn't look that good, right? Like, wow, they seem to have won. They're victorious. They're, they're thinking that it looks that way, but no. Jesus is in control. And if you take that perspective in life, irrespective of your circumstances, Jesus is control when He steps into your life. He is a point of reassurance that it may look out of control, but let me reassure you, I'm in control if you give me that permission. Reassuring position, powerful word from the cross. But we're not going down that path today. We're going to the resurrection, a new day, a new beginning. I'm going to open in prayer and then we'll get straight into it. Father, I thank you this morning that you know us better than we know ourselves. You understand us better than we understand ourselves. Lord, I pray in this moment, on this wonderful opportunity to be able to speak and preach into this church. Let the ears be open. Let the hearts be receptive to your word. Your word is a, a documentation, a gathering of understanding that you are God. And Jesus, you gave your life so that we can have life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And today, Jesus, I pray, let this be a moment in time, a resurrection moment for every single person here today. In Jesus' name, amen. It starts off there in John chapter 20. And what I'm going to do is probably preach and pray as we travel through the service. I can stop at any time. I can continue on. I don't need to get to any specific point because there's too much in here to get it all covered. Um, and Pastor Chris said, if you go on too long, basically two large guys will come in, drag you out, and that'll be the end of it. So I, I've worked that out that if two guys are, appear at the back, that's a time like we need to close. Let's close in prayer right now in Jesus' name. Just to help you out a little bit. In John chapter 20, verse 1, it starts, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Full stop. Yeah, Pastor Greg, that's good. Let's move on to the good stuff. No, no, why don't we just stay in verse 1 for a little bit? Why? There's nothing in it. Let's get on to the good bit. No, but let's, why can't we stay in verse 1? There's a lot in verse 1. No, there's not. Let's get on to the good bits. See, a lot of us are trying to get down to 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, loving all that part, you know, Jesus, who are you, all the rest of it. And then he rocks up to the disciples, steps through, goes through a wall and appears to them and, hey, I'm the, you know, wonderful. We love that. And I just want to say to you that so often in life we are trying to push too far in front of where God is. There's a scripture in Ephesians which simply says, if you walk in the Spirit, sorry, in Galatians, if you walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And so often even in our Bible, biblical understanding, we're trying to push well beyond to get somewhere when there's gold at our feet. I want you to be able to capture the gold that's here that maybe you haven't seen. What I'm trying to do is to be an antagonist to a degree to actually stimulate you to go, hey, I've never seen that. I'd really like to, you know what? I'm not here to produce all the answers. I'm here to provoke you, to push you, to actually ask questions to stimulate your thinking, your life, and to be curious enough to be able to go, I'm going to look into that further. Sunday sometimes is a, a place where we come to eat. It should be the entree only. The meal is up to you, what you serve from the entree. 
as it starts here and it brilliant and starts it says early in the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the tomb was removed well so what is in here so much and if I get past verse 1 let's push it first day when it's still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb what's unusual about that well let me tell you in those days no one traveled in darkness anywhere if you did your life would be at risk Men would not travel on their own. They would travel in a party to go anywhere because the road, no matter what road, was filled with robbers and thieves who would take your life for a simple denarius, for a simple coin, a a simple cloak. Why? Because life was cheap. Why would a woman travel in darkness to a place where there is no hope, only death? You see, you have to understand the context of what is happening here. Remember, none of the disciples, we know after they realised He was Jesus and He was resurrected, but none of the disciples at this point, not one, not even Mary, His mother, realised that He would be raised from the dead. Not one. Read it in context. And so often we miss, why would a woman travel in darkness, putting her own life at risk, to go to a place of disappointment, sadness. Why would she return? Well, Pastor Greg, she's Mary Magdalene. We know what she's all about. Oh, Mary, she had a bit of a lifestyle. We'll come to that in just a moment. Why would a woman travel back to a place of disappointment and loss, putting her own life at risk? Then you have to pause in this moment. Sorry, we're in verse 1. We have to pause in this very moment and think about this. Mary Magdalene puts her own life at risk. So where are the disciples? Why aren't they going? I'm pretty sure I heard, I'll never leave you, Lord. They may, but I never shall. They will desert you, but not I. Good on you, Pete. Good old Pete can deliver it. Fascinating. Why why aren't they there? To fast track it because of time and I can't do a series and you haven't invited me back and probably not for another 16 years but and I'm probably by then you will have forgotten this message but the reality is that the disciples don't turn up because not one of them had felt the power of the experience of who Jesus was they had heard they had seen they had externally only Peter walked on the water but no one had felt the power of what Christ can do in people's lives. Mary Magdalene, it says, was delivered from seven spirits. Oh yeah, the spirit of adultery, fornication, blah, blah. No, no, no. It says several spirits of infirmity. (coughs) We'll get to that in a moment. Why does she turn up and not the disciples? Simply this, that she had a power encounter with Christ not a visual or only an auditory experience. She felt the power of what Christ can do in people's life. And the power of that is to set people free. The saddest day will be on the planet when a church compromises everything it believes in. And let me tell you C3, I've been a member of C3 and part of the team now for 36 years. And back then we were called Northside Christian Centre and there were only 90 people when we arrived and it had no vision of any movement at all with Pastor Phil and Chris. 
but the reality is that in that moment, in that experience, is that our core value, one of our core value is word, prayer, community, going beyond the walls, touching, reaching people's lives. The reality is that we will not take the power of the gospel out because we prayed once and it didn't work. We will push on, push through, irrespective believing. For that which you have spoken, for that which you have believed shall come to pass. Irrespective of what you see, even in your cross moments. Not your cross like I'm angry moments, but on the cross moments. Sorry, just a little bit of clarity. Jesus touched the life and she felt the inner working of His power. Why she goes back to a place of disappointment with no knowledge of outcome is simply because she had a power moment. Please never remember, these guys won't do this. I believe that none of you shall. But the reality is the power moment of the gospel is something which is the most life-changing for all people. You can gather on Sunday and do church, but nothing changes. You can gather church on Sunday expecting the power to bring change. Now you're releasing the power of all the kingdom towards you. Mary Magdalene goes back to a place of disappointment in her moment because she had a power experience. She allowed Jesus to touch her. I'm believing that God will do that. I'm believing that God will actually bring and deliver that. I love that. Hello there. Nice to meet you. Bit of a handshake. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this young woman's life. I pray that as she is worshipped and sat here, I pray that she listens, she hears. But Lord, I thank you. Let a seed of expectation be placed in her that she becomes hungry for the moments of encounter with you. Not just to do worship, to be present, to stand, to worship, to be present, but to expect to have the encounter with the living, loving God in Jesus' name. Amen. And what you encounter, you will give to others. Mary Magdalene traveled to a place of disappointment. So who is Mary Magdalene? Well, Pastor Greg, you've mentioned it before, a woman traveling at night. No, she didn't travel at night. She had something on the inside of her. She had a power moment. She couldn't explain. Everything said, don't go, but something on the inside of her. Has anyone had one of those moments? I don't know why I'm feeling, but I just feel, doesn't make sense, but I'm. That's why we need the power back in the house. She goes back, not Peter, not John, James, no, Thomas, obviously not. But in all of that, she goes back, but she's Mary Magdalene. She's been incredibly freed from those. Wait a minute, let's just pause it for a brief moment. Who is Mary Magdalene? Well, let's correct a little bit of, let's get to the, the theological position, the historians who will agree entirely with me. Who is she? A greater majority of believers even today think, well, she's the, the woman, the woman who travels at night, who would do a business at night. The, she's the prostitute. She's the one who were at the feet of Jesus. She's that woman. No, she's not. I'm sorry, you've got it all wrong. Where did you get that thinking from? Unfortunately, from a gentleman by the similar name of myself, Pope Gregory in 1591. The women were getting a little unruly, so he decided to actually put in a little bit of a homily to address the situation and use Mary Magdalene in his address to keep the girls under control. That's how it actually started. Fascinating, isn't it? 
We build a lot of our theology and our thinking and our positions and belief about people in life. And the reality is it's incorrect. Why? It's hearsay. It's not factual or correct. Fascinating. People sometimes read you wrong. They don't quite get you. He gets you very well. He knows exactly who you are. And even the things in the pain of the past and the situations of things in which you have walked through and which no one would know, even at times the smile upon your face, which shields and protects you. He knows everything in which you have walked through and been through, encountered in your mind, your heart, your emotion. He understands you better than you understand yourself, but understand this. He does walk with you. He does understand you. Even though people may not understand you, He understands you. Stand on that statement more than the opinions of others. In Jesus' name. Mary Magdalene. And it comes simply, you see Mary Magdalene, the name, you have to shake the name to get to know what it is. Mary, we understand, Magdalene is associated with, again, and you have to understand the second part of your name was either descriptive of where you came from, geographically, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Carpenter, a profession. Profession, geographical position, or family. Jesus, son of Joseph. That's how you were referred to. So people could work out where you came from. So they could work out the, the historical. The, you didn't have to go to Ancestry.com. You would just follow it through the lines of location, profession, and family to identify who you were. And again, unfortunately, people have misinterpreted Mary Magdalene. Let me quickly, so we can move on to verse 2 and hopefully get to verse 3. The reality is that Mary Magdalene, her name, Mary Magdalene, is that she is Mary from Magdala on the Sea of Galilee. It is a fishing port in which she was and well known, well documented by historians, etc. Is that Mary Magdalene was a wealthy woman who came along and supported the disciples and Jesus. Read Luke 8, verse 2, identifies those who followed, one of the significant ladies of the Bible. Remember this, outside of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene is the next most mentioned person. And it's noted not because of her supposed profession, but because of her encounters and what she did. Twelve times. Twelve times. No one else, no other female got as much recognition outside of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Incredible, fascinating. Should do a study on her. Very interesting lady. She travels because she feels called. She had an encounter. She felt the power of freedom that Christ brings. She travels and she invests into the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. Why we give on Sunday simply is, and sometimes we forget, is why? Because we believe in the power of investing into purpose and cause. That's why we do it. I love that. Investing into putting packs together to reach out into the community, to touch the community through, of course, a gift, a gesture. Awesome. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She arrives at the tomb and suddenly finds that the tomb is open. The tomb is open. She is looking into the tomb and as she looks in there, something has happened. She See, the tomb is open, but it's interesting to note how Mary reacts. The tomb's stone's been removed. Understand, you can't move a tombstone that easily. You would need a number of men to be involved 
and a few more women, just for the strong ladies who are actually involved in CrossFit. But all of that, you would make the push on the basis that you couldn't move it. So somebody has moved a stone and when you move a stone, you usually want what's on the inside. She doesn't look, she runs and goes straight to the disciples. And she runs and what happens? She arrives with the disciples and what happens? She said, someone's flogged Jesus. I've gone and knocked off, stolen Jesus. Someone has stolen the Lord. Has anyone felt like that sometimes? Where's he gone? Where's my Jesus gone? He's gone missing. Has anyone felt like that? Or am I the only one in the place? Well, you're a man of God. You shouldn't feel like that. Hello, I am human. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stuart, for identifying that with me. But fascinating sometimes when you think the Lord is, he's gone missing in action. He hasn't gone missing in action. Let me pray for you. He is closer than you ever realize. The day you said yes, he said yes. The day you said yes, he said, now we are living in partnership. The day you said yes is the day he said, yeah, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The day he said, you said yes, he said, I agree with you. The day he said yes, he said, pray and I will agree with you. The day you said yes, he said yes, that the prayers in which you would pray, he would agree with and they would come to pass. Do not measure the outcome of prayer according to time. Measure it according to faith in Jesus' name. She goes there and says, hey boys, uh, someone's flogged Jesus. And then it says, and the disciples who would gather together, they were smart enough in their disappointment. There was a strong enough habit created, which I love this. They kept turning up at church in their disappointment. Even the purpose was lost. But you see, the power of gathering sometimes when there is, a, by all appearance, hopelessness, it's the point of gathering. Where do people go when there is natural disasters usually? To a church. Funny, isn't it? Community hall, they'll look for church. Safe place. Some, some churches structurally are not safe at all. To have a large bell coming down upon you when the whole place collapses would not be a good experience. But there's something in us which understands association of relationship because of position, place, and title, and name. Powerful. She runs to the disciples. They're smart enough to gather together. And she runs there and says, Hey, Johnny, James, Pete, someone's flogged the Lord. And then it says, John and Peter heads out towards the tomb. Can I just pause that for a brief moment? Let's pause this for a brief moment. What's unusual about that? Well, they were gathering together and there was no purpose and hope. Yeah, I've already talked about that. What's unusual about this little situation when you read Scripture? We're in verse 2, by the way. We're not up to the exciting bit yet. The exciting bit's a lot further down the track. We're in verse 2. Not that much going on here. Verse 1, verse 2, very, very bland. No, there's gold in the Word of God if you're just willing to pause and stop long enough to see what's in the Word of God. What's fascinating is simply this. Mary tells the boys. Boys go, what? They can't believe it. Well, they don't believe it. But they still go. Not all of them, by the way. Peter and John. Head off. Not James, not Andrew, no one. Just those two. Let's pause it. What I find fascinating is, what's Peter doing in the house of God? He just finished cursing and swearing like no man has on the planet, rejecting God, rejecting Jesus. Remember when the trial was carrying on and, and the denial of Peter, 
is that Jesus isn't removed. He's about from where I am to where that wall is, just up on the colonnade, like on the first floor, open area, listening to everything. How's that? Jesus is listening to you. No, I do not know Him. And then when He swears, it's sort of written in the Greek, according to the Hebrew, what was he saying? I don't know. You need to get a word in the Spirit, I guess. He was cursing like you and I would have to think. Let's really pull up something brilliant here. He was cursing like no man on the planet. And Jesus is listening to all of his cursing of him. Jesus, who? Spilling his guts. Ah! Ah! A few days later, he's in church. Yeah, that's the power of the gospel, Greek. No, it's not. Oh, wait a minute. Sacrilege. That's the power of relationship. Peter's in church because of someone called John. Maybe James, but John. They were friends. They were in a fishing business together. They had their own little jostles of who's relationally in the team. Read the Bible. Fascinating is that Peter's there not because Jesus intervened with the power of heaven. Revelation flowed to him. No. John probably went to him. It's not documented, but most historians would probably agree. I just think it's natural humanity in full flight and what we're all about as a church. It was simply that, Pete, you're an idiot. You're a clown. I can't believe you said all that stuff. People are like, oh, I was so tired. I know everyone was saying it. Jesus heard every word. Oh, you're an idiot. Anyway, come over here. I still love you. Come on, buddy. Come back to church. But what are the boys going to say? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll explain. Leave it with me. They'll be understanding. That's church. Why church exists. You do some pretty dumb stuff on the outside. But unless we as the church are willing to embrace people irrespective of what they've done and how they've done it, you have to understand the power of that. Understand the power of that. The gathering, the acceptance, the standing true irrespective of what has happened, not to be interfered with in our thinking and letting what Christ has done, but how Christ has empowered people around us. The church's power is to be, we are in the boat We're not out of the boat, we're in the boat. And we're here because we are here for one another. You know what? Sometimes the Lord says, my hands are tied. Because remember, I stepped into your life. And if you're inactive, you make me inactive. Just read 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Do you not know your body's eternal, the Holy Spirit who is in you? You're not your own, you've been purchased at a price. Yeah, I know all that, but I ain't doing anything. I'm just, no, no, those those suckers need to stay outside of the church. Oh, no, we're not having those terrible people in church. Hello. Doesn't sound like church to me. If it is, it's the wrong church. Sounds like an apex club. Sorry if you're involved in apex or rotary. But to me, it's a place of gathering, but has no power. But the power starts in relationship. That's the difference. Are you okay with me? Is everyone okay? I'm going to finish. I'm going to have a coffee. See you later. (laughs) Maybe just a couple more, then I'll move on. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I'm just saying there's gold here. We just don't pause long enough to actually see what's in the Word. The power of the Word. They come running and as they come running into the tomb, fascinating that Peter and Peter runs and John runs. They both take oil. 
But it says, and when they get there, I love this. I love how John refers to himself. He's so humble. He said, you know, the one that Jesus really loved. <laughs> Don't you love the humanity of how it's described in the Bible? The one that, really, you know, Jesus really loved. You know, the silent one. I won't mention his name, but the one that Jesus really loved. You wrote the book. We know that. Oh, you just still got problems, John. I love the humanity of these incredible men of God. Peter runs. The humanity is still in full flight here. Peter runs. John runs. They go to the tomb. As they run to the tomb, what happens? Love this. They run to the tomb and it says, and John, the one that really loved the Lord, looked into the tomb. And then Peter showed up. What's wrong with that scenario? Very simple. No one beats Peter. He's the athletic guy. Get out of the way. I'm coming through. I'm taking over. He's the one who gets the girls, the glory and, the, and, 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 and everything else. That's what he does. What slowed him down? His past. The shame of his past. You know, when Jesus stepped into your life, he goes, I forgive you. And at that moment, you can read Isaiah 43 and it tells you that even though, again, God has said, I have chosen to remember your sins no more. That's the power of the gospel. And when we remember it, God says, hey, you know, I'm hearing you praying about something. What is this situation? Well, Lord, you know, you're God, you understand. He goes, man, I, I don't actually remember. And you go, what? No, no, I don't. I'm, remember I said that the day you asked me in your life, I make a decision and a covenant with myself to remember your past no more. So why do you keep on harping on it all the time? Well, I can still remember it. Let me just help you with a little bit of theology and understanding this. Jesus doesn't erase your memory. He chooses to forget. He doesn't erase your memory. Oh, but I want the past to be gone. The thoughts and all the stuff in my mind and my life, I want it erased. No, He can't do that. Imagine this. Some of you know my story. I got saved up at King's Cross in 1976 after uh, a drug deal went all terribly wrong and everything else was going on in life. I know I look angelic now, but anyway, that was what happened. And then, and, and in that moment of time, Jesus invades my world, not because I was looking for Him, because my sister was praying for me. And in that very moment of time, right then, I have an encounter with Christ. Now, the story and the outworking of all that and all of my, the five guys involved in that, that day, by the age of 39, they were, none of them are alive. They're all dead. I survived because of Jesus. The Prima sister, that's my mother, Teresa, my sister, praying through. And the power of Jesus bringing the freedom and the power in my life. But one thing I did learn earlier on was this. Is my past and everything else you can do, and I haven't got it right. I've done some dumb stuff along the way, of course. Not perfect. When Jesus steps in life, everything's perfect. Oh, cool. Haven't seen that in the Bible. Better go back to the book of Job. <laughs> but in the reality of life, the power of what Christ does to us brings the freedom. My point is this. When Jesus says, I chose I choose not to remember your past. You are set free. I look at you, you are without blemish, without error, without fault. When you said yes, and I said yes. And what happens? We go, but I still remember. Okay, imagine if I was asked, Pastor Greg said, Greg, just come up here and share your testimony. You know, incredible testimony. Come and share your testimony. Yeah, sure. And I get up here and go, you know what, church? I remember... Something happened. Uh, I think it's Sydney. Yeah, something happened with God and me. 
It's about all I got. I don't think it's going to change anyone's life. You know, like it's the power of your testimony. Revelation says it's the by the power of their testimony. Testimony is powerful. We've lost sight of that. And can I tell you, we need to get bring back the bring to church. We're so happy to join as a group like Apex and Rotary. But we've got, we're here that people may experience the power of what we've encountered ourselves. Bring back to bring. Another great message, another time. The fact is that in that moment, when Jesus steps into our life, He steps in, He reaches down, He takes out the power of what sin does, removes the power of sin from the past, and then says, now go and share your testimony. He removes the power, not the memory. Remember that. The power of sin and the power of sin is to separate and isolate you and remove you from all relationship in life, starting with God to everybody else. Very quickly, five more minutes or three and a half, two point, two point, two point, ten seconds, nine, eight, seven. Oh, we could be finished in a moment. I could just count us down, whatever you like. Very quickly, Peter and John come along. What holds Peter back is the shame. We all need to experience the power of the encounter with Christ, not just because of what we see, what we hear, or what we've trod on or walked on in our life, but have an encounter with the resurrected Lord. He goes there, John looks in, Peter straight in, nothing's changed. He gets in and as he has a look inside, he sees that where Jesus had been laid, he's gone, he's missing. Yep, he's not here. Hey boys, not here. And he sees that the, the body cloth, was cast upon the ground, but the head cloth, two cloths, before the embalming, all the process of in, in getting the body prepared for the, the long haul and journey of being embalmed, etc., all the rest of it. But in all of that, and they walk in and they notice, and I love what John says, he said, and seeing in the NIV and other translations, it makes reference that the head cloth was folded. Love this. And the headcloth was like a representation of everything you believe. Your face carries more of your life than any other part of your body. It's an expression of who you are. It's also, a headcloth is also given reference and it talks of the napkin. And there has been some thinking, interesting, it's not biblical, but it's an interesting thought and idea, which I quite like and I present it here, is yet you see when... Again, our feast was on, the host would invite all, all the guests to come and they'd be seated at the table or lounging on, on chairs around uh, the, the hostess in the hostess home and food would be prepared. The servants would come in and put all the food on the table, all the wine, everything preparing the place. And then all the guests would be shown in and put in their rightful place. And then all the servants would be out of sight, not visible. They wouldn't be serving. They've got everyone positioned. All the food is ready. Everyone's ready to go. Upon there, even in Jewish culture, as it is in Western culture, a napkin was provided always. And a napkin was an important part to protect, to shield, to, again, prevent spillage and, you know, the sloppy type eaters. Nathan on a big day to barbecue, obviously, large bib. But in all of that, you know, has a napkin and again, out of sight, not visible. The servants were looking for one or two things. They wouldn't move. They wouldn't move according to one or two things and it involved the napkin. And when the napkin, when a guest stood up, his plate was empty and the serviette was cast on the table. 
the plate still had, sorry, the plate had food still upon it, but the serviette, the napkin was cast on the table. The servants knew, not according to what they saw, but according to what was done with the napkin, which was an indicator they have finished. If they get up and leave, they're gone. They've left the party. They'd come and clean up and then out of sight again. But if a guest got up, their plate is empty. There's nothing on their plate. Looks like they're finished. But the napkin was folded. They didn't do anything. They waited. They waited. Why? Because it was a sign to the servants that even though the guest may be out of sight, they are returning. And the reality is the power is, again, only traditional thought within the culture of Jewish Christianity is that it was a sign to indicate you may not see me, but I am present and I will return. The power of the gospel in the gospel. It provokes you to think, provokes you to to look beyond, not into mythology or myths, but into practical applications of what could be. Final thought, I conclude with this. They go in there and I love this. I love this. They go in, they don't understand they go, go back to the church. Not Mary Magdalene, she remains. So many other points in here. We'll quickly fast track to a few scriptures down there. And then it says, as the disciples return to their church. No, no, it's actually fascinating here because in a lot of translation says they were gathered together. They're in the place of meeting when Mary Magdalene went to get them. But here... Biblically, if you follow the story, it says they return to their homes. You see, you can only put up with disappointment for so long. And let me tell you, God understands your disappointment levels. Disappointment helps sharpen your relationship to push through. But He also knows, I will never let you go beyond what you can do. Never let you go beyond. It says that in Corinthians. It talks about very simply, I'll never let you go beyond your ability to say no, to, to stop sin sinning in your life he will never let you get beyond your inability to say no I can't you can that's what puts our stop to addiction in people's lives knowing that Christ will never let you as a Christian go beyond I'm driven no you still have the power otherwise he'll intervene fascinating because sometimes we succumb to our own theology our own positional philosophy and not the word of God final thought final word Please, I provoke you to get back into the Word of God and actually look at the Word for what it is and how much gold is in the Word of God. Final thought. She remains. Two angels, a whole lot of different things in there. It's interesting, one angel at the, at the, the, where Jesus' head had been laid, the other one at His feet. What's that on a slab? It's basically, oh, it's the seat of atonement, you know, seat, the mercy seat, it's there. It's the same representation, great illustration, two angels, then two cherubim, blah, 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 blah. Great Bible study if you ever wanted to look into it. Anyway, she goes outside and she's there. And then Jesus rocks up. Jesus rocks up, love this. Said to the guys on Friday, the very first words spoken as a resurrected Lord were these words. And it's actually not a statement. It's a question. Why do you cry? First words a resurrected Lord says. Not like, hey guys, I'm here, I'm back, hey! No, he arrives and asks the question, what makes you sad? What impacts your life? What causes you to grieve? 
Things which were stolen and taken from you shall be returned, not in the same form or matter. The things in which have been taken from you and which you have fought for, yet you have not seen them return, shall be returned in a different form at a greater level of purpose and value. It's not over yet. Jesus rocks up. He says, why do you cry? Who are you looking for? says Mary Magdalene in her tears you see sadness can blind us sometimes when Jesus is standing right before us our grief of situation that's why we need other believers in our life because they aren't overwhelmed by the the loss and the tragedy and the grief but they stand with you and can see with clarity where Jesus is in the equation of our life and our future she can't see She looks at him. She doesn't recognize him. Here's Mary Magdalene, someone who for some reason was driven, went there, disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Still feeling the loss and the sorrow of someone she loved so much. Jesus speaks to her. But this is what I do love. She doesn't recognize his voice. But he says... Mary, why do you cry? What she does recognize is her name in her sorrow. When Jesus speaks to us, he doesn't talk to the multitudes. He talks to the person, the individual, the one that he gave his life upon the cross. That's how much our God loves us. If you were the only person on the planet, he'd still go to the cross, just for you. Oh, but for the multitudes, yes. And even today, he looked down this, down through the corridors of time to this meeting here today. He understands exactly where every single one of you are at. Every single one of us, including myself, understands where we're at. He understands the power of the cross, of what that did. Again, he taking the ability to take away, to free us from our past, but also bringing the opportunity of a resurrected new opportunity as a new day why don't we close our eyes I hope I have provoked you to think to look to research to look into the word of God we can be so well fed sometimes that we don't need to feed ourselves and we become lazy in our approach to the word of God our relationship with Jesus but the reality is Jesus wants today to ensure that that relationship in which you have with Him is strong. You don't just gather. You are one mind, one purpose, one heart. And Father, I thank You that as we have gathered in worship, we are now giving to You, hearing Your Word, understanding our place and the love that You have for us, that today, Jesus, Let your word, let your life, let your purpose, let our value be reestablished in our relationship with you. With every eye closed, I draw this to a close. Final word. I don't know where you are in that relationship with Jesus, as I said, but he knows exactly where you are in that relationship. I ask this question, just as we close our eyes, If you do not 
who have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. In just a moment, I'd love you to do that by simply raising your hand, not to me, but to Him, to say, Jesus, I want to get connected. I want to get connected to a God that I have heard, that I want to know, and I want to feel the power of that relationship, to feel the power of forgiveness, release and freedom that you offer. So if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, or if you have, and for whatever reason you have stepped away in that relationship, stuff just didn't work out. Stuff happened. Loss. You were thinking things were going to work out, and for whatever disappointment began to overwhelm you. And you stepped away in that relationship. I want to ask you also, why don't you get reconnected with Him the right way. The way you know is the right way. Again, here this morning. So very quickly, with every eye closed, I conclude this message. My eyes are closed. I will open my eyes because I want to see your hand, if that is you, acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. So if that is you here this morning, just lift up your hand very quickly. Lift up your hand and say, Pastor Greg, that's me. I just want to get connected correctly with Jesus, either for the first time or again, just get my life right in that relationship here today. If that is you, just very quickly raise your hand. As I say, I will not delay this. But at the same time, I want every single person in this place to acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of their life. Amen. Can we all stand? My concluding comment to you, my concluding prayer is this, as I hand it back to Pastor Chris. goes like this. A prayer in which I'll pray, in which I'd love you to agree is the power of a brand new day because of the resurrection, because of the relationship, because of the power of that relationship. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, irrespective of our circumstances, of our situations, of that which we have felt and understood and walked through, irrespective of our past, I pray today that every single one of us will have a new hunger and thirst for your word to delve within the word of God to discover to reveal a greater truth about your life and love that you have for us but also father in Jesus mighty name I pray that this is a moment of resurrection where people's lives can be healed mentally emotionally physically positionally financially why because you bring the power of freedom, of creation, of deliverance, and of strength. And in Jesus' mighty name, I pray that every single person here today will experience and will acknowledge that on this day, on this day, the 18th of November, was the day I decided it shall be a new beginning of a new day by embracing a resurrected life, faith 
and belief in the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. Keep that up and let's thank Pastor Greg as well for the great message.